Welcome back to the Trees and Nylon podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Gorp. I am your host, Trees and Nylon, but you can call me Trees. And I am joined today by the godfather of DIY and the patchwork prodigy. It is Jameis of Greater Goods. Thank you for coming on the show today, man. Thank you, man. And thank you for that great intro. I'm going to get that made into a, a sticker or a badge of some kind already. Or a patch, maybe. Yeah, yeah that's sick. a sick embroidered patch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, I spend hours with with an extensive team of people, professionals, working on the intros for people. Team uh, trees so and the, the team nine. Trees, yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it costs a lot of money. It's, it's basically like a think tank, um, but you know, they get the job done. So you can't, you can't fault them on that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> get good, good investment on that. And I'm sure it's going to only grow. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll bring you on to the team at some point, honestly, we need like a designer so we can bring some, it's always, it's ever expanding. It's always growing. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the trees and Island podcast. And for those who are not aware we talk about trees and also nylon, working through kind of a past, present, and future progression with both of those topics. So the question for you, Jameis, which one would you like to start with? Everyone kind of goes trees. Is that mm-hmm. that's the, the standard route, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm gonna the stick with road. the theme. Yeah. And trees in my section is probably gonna be about five seconds, and the nylon's probably gonna be a lot longer. So awesome. we'll get the, the short <laughs> one the sweet out of the way. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, your relationship to the outdoors kind of grown up because you're not to dip a little bit too much into nylon, but you are around these clothes a lot, it seems. So what was kind of like, (laughs) some would say, so what's that early inspiration look like for you? Yeah, I think the whole outdoor element in what I do is like taken in from a city perspective, I'd say. my mm-hmm. background, I'm born in London, live in London. Um, I'm 25 and I've been in London for 25 years. Oh, um, okay. So it's, it's been my, my <laughs> environment raised, for my yeah. whole life. Yeah, like I'm very much a city kid. Um, but London is the most diverse city. Um, so I've seen like every style and like been through every phase growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the outdoor element kind of definitely came through fashion for sure. Um I guess I'm already dipping into nylon already, but like it <laughs> no, kind it's of okay. happened because it, my introduction was from that side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how I kind of got drawn into it. But yeah, I've kind of had been a creative person like all my life, but I've always liked using raw materials and like wood mm-hmm. and that kind of element was that kind of um, medium I worked in. Um, and like growing up, like it was never, we would go on holidays here and there, but it would never be like a camping trip. It just wasn't mm-hmm. in my culture to do that kind of um, holiday excursion to like the countryside. Um, so I've always had a very a city lens on everything. And it's only now I'm really tapping into that outdoor element side of things. And that's through mm-hmm. what I'm doing now with Greater Goods. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been a, a reverse kind of entry into the outdoors. I'm definitely that person that got into <laughs> it through the fashion um, side mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, that's pretty common also. I mean, most people would like, did you go on like hiking trips or like go out like to the countryside um, when you were a kid? Not too much, more like coastal kind of walks mm. and that kind of thing. There was no okay. hardcore hiking. There, yeah, that, yeah. I was more, I was a sporty kid, but it was mm. more like racket sports and that kind of thing compared mm. to like hiking holidays. 
Yeah. Um, only now, I, my girlfriend's from like rural Germany, um, mm. so we occasionally go back. Congratulations, there. by the way. Um, yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you, appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I think only now I've kind of like starting to appreciate the outdoors a lot more. And obviously, uh, I'm in COVID in lockdown, and I kind yeah. of work very independently and solely, so it can be quite isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't mind it, but I think now and every now and then it's good to get some fresh air and actually step outside the studio. Very nice, nice, nice. Um, yeah, the uh, the thing you said about um, getting into the outdoors because of the clothing, I think for you know most people that buy your products or are into into your products, um, it is kind of the same vibe, you know, where like there's a general interest in the outdoors, but maybe they don't actually go outside. And it's like, well, I got this jacket, I might as well go on a hike now, you know, <laughs> that that kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I think it, Greater Goods all started from when I. That, how old was I? Let me think. About fifteen or sixteen, I'd say. Wow. And there was like a big trend of like um, black North Face jackets, like the high mm. event jacket in London. There was a big trend of everyone wearing that one jacket, um, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to be involved in that." So I was like, mm. "Let me fi- find a secondhand jacket on eBay." And it was that black North Face high event jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's kind of the jacket I took apart um, when I was learning how to sew. Um, so that was that trend that kind of got me involved in the mm-hmm. outdoor quote unquote space <laughs> through the fashion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, looking back on that, it was like a, a weird entry point into like that outdoor aesthetic in a sense. Mm. Um, so that's the, that's the beginning of it. Let's talk a little bit now about um, what you do now. Because just scrolling through your pages, you can see you do go outside a little bit more often um, than never or sparingly. Uh, what what is what is like the going outside type hiking, camping? Have you been camping now? Yeah, I've I've been like once or twice. The first time I went was with a group of friends um, from university. Well, I'd graduated, um, but we just he he lured me into camping. Uh, he'd been <laughs> camping a lot before my friend Hayden, um, so he had all the gear. Um, and I, I rocked up with just like a tiny backpack of everything I needed. And I, my friends yeah. all came down with like huge suitcases full of stuff. <laughs> and I was thinking, if I really underprepared for this trip, um, turns out I done great. I, I think I packed perfectly. It was everyone else that had overpacked. <laughs> so, um, it turns out I don't need too much is one thing I realized, but it was great. I really loved it. We got very lucky with the weather. Mm. um i think it was down towards devon um mm. so yeah it was just super nice scene um and it was yeah it was great but i felt like the weather made it amazing i feel like if it was the normal traditional uk weather it could have been <laughs> a lot more um of a neg- negative experience for a first camp- camping trip so i definitely yeah. got lucky and i've got some more lined up um oh, nice in the year i'm actually doing a, a workshop uh, at like this camping festival so that's like mm, gonna be a two in one nice. very nice yeah uh how long how long was your first trip like how long did you go um, out for i think it was like four days um wow. yeah it didn't feel like it though like mm. all the days merged into one um yeah it was great i definitely do more of that but i would just find myself more and more busy and it's that time mm. allocation now is really tough um, I feel like I need to block out just a month in the year just to not take on any work and just like yeah. disappear for a bit. Um, but just being a city kid, just like working and like doing something is literally in my blood. And I can't really 
get mm-hmm. out of that at the moment. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, it's on my list this year to, is to like allocate more time to actually experiencing the outdoors. Um, I am part of Flog Together, which is a bird watching group, which has really helped. Mm-hmm. Um, so every month, I try to make sure I can go to that walk and like be involved in that. Very nice. Well, you're saying you're not part of the outdoors very much, but I have never been on anything more than a one day backpacking trip. So you've already got oh, me no be there. Yeah, no I've done way. a lot of. Okay. I've done a lot of like dump camping or like car camping. Um, mm. You know, we just have a campsite and then you drive to a hike, localized in the area. You know, but I've never done anything more than just like a one nighter, like. Oh, uh, sweet. That caught me by surprise. That caught me by yeah, surprise. I know it's it's the persona I put on. You think that I like have done thirty days alone in the wilderness, um, but it's no that internet personality. It's all different. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want people to think <laughs> about me. But I'm really just a poser that has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, you kind of already segued uh, naturally into the last part of this, which is some you know some outdoor activities you have planned. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? festival you're talking about yeah sweet uh i don't know how much i can talk about but i, I guess mm-hmm. it's yeah whatever whatever you already come out. say yeah yeah well there's, there's no contracts i think it's just more like what's solid information i don't want to be giving out oh, okay like, okay info that's not correct but like yeah it's a it's gonna be a workshop with osprey um at a mm. at a um I don't know, like a really like well done camping spot, I think is the best way of describing it. It's also going to okay. be in partnership with Outsider Store and Snow Peak. Mm, um, okay. So from what I know, all the equipment is going to be like Snow Peak grade stuff, which is like top of the line. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just meant to be like a, a good vibes kind of festival. Um, mm. And the workshop is just going to be using a bunch of damage Osprey stuff um, to make a few products. So people that come down to the festival um can enjoy this workshop while listening to good music and like having good food honestly it just sounds like the best that time. sounds awesome bro that sounds yeah, sick. yeah it sounds pretty sick <laughs> like i need to check out the space because like, i need uh-huh. to like design the whole setup and everything but um honestly i'm looking cool. forward to it i've not done anything like that um mm-hmm. i guess it's been locked down and covid for so long yeah. there's not been the opportunity to do something like this so yeah really looking forward to that and that's in may this year Hey, I might have to come on down, honestly. That sounds so yeah, cool. Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah, when, there, when there's more concrete stuff, keep me updated because um, I've, been, I've been teasing. I want to I go over there at some point. And on top of that, one of my friends is moving out in a couple weeks to Cambridge. Shout out Connor oh, if you're sweet. listening to this. Um, Connor's moving to Cambridge and he's like, yeah, I want to like get into hiking. He actually, he put me on to like Solomon. Oh, we're getting into nylon fully now at this point. Yeah, uh, he put me on to Solomon. <laughs> um <laughs> back in like 2016 or 17 or something it had to be like 2017 actually or 18 i think it was 18 <laughs> but he put me on and i just didn't listen to him he was like these are sick like they're gonna blow up just like watch and i was like okay man whatever grandpa buy your <laughs> buy your hiking shoes and then here i am now and he actually never even got the pair and i sent him uh when i like first bought my song and they're like i've been influenced like two years so two years funny. ahead of time i was influenced <laughs> <laughs> I have a similar story. It was um I met my girlfriend and we were in um Germany and I was I wanted it was really early on, I wanted a pair of Solomons. Mm-hmm. Um and then her dad um has a had a pair, but obviously in like the more dad core, yeah, actually yeah. using them outdoor <laughs> kind of element. Uh-huh. Um it was a pair of like orange and green speed cross, like the, the craziest color, like really out there. Right um 
ended I ended up buying them off him. <laughs> so like, that was my first pair. And then my girlfriend never understood the whole like city kid aesthetic and like gorp course scene of Solomon's. Mm-hmm. Um and now she's fully converted. Now she understands, but she used to absolutely rinse me and not understand <laughs> it. Um so it's gone a nice full 360 in that aspect of like how someone's gone from like not understanding it to like mm-hmm. understanding it in a weird way. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, my girlfriend, <laughs> it's like poetry. <laughs> yeah. My girlfriend has watched me just stumble for so long. Um, she watched me get into Supreme. She watched me try to do like, uh, not even, um, I guess it would be kind of like, like TikTok e-boy before that was a whole thing. Like back in like 20. 18 or 19 i was just it wasn't really e-boy i was just wearing lots of black and i even had like i had like a, a side bag not even like a, it was basically like a purse but i would was it like an emo phase not really no uh i listened to joji a lot but i don't know if that's really emo it was nah, kind of just more like emo. a sad that's boy not, like a sad boy, boy TikTok yeah. Phase. <laughs> yeah basically that's what it was so she, she's seen a lot and i think she's happier with this um gorp course stuff because you know it's a little bit more uh mature we'll say it's a little <laughs> more mature it's a little bit more uh it's a little bit more me honestly so yeah it's understandable it's it's i guess greater goods has that kind of like outdoor aesthetic but it's mm-hmm. not uh, and i have a lot of jackets and that kind of thing but on my day to day because i'm just in the studio and just like working on my own i'm just wearing a crew neck and like a pair of cargos and like just whatever trainers i'm wearing is my like go-to I was talking to you about the festival. Um, is it just going to be like, are there going to be tons of other booths where people can go? Uh, that's my first question. I have a few, but it's going to be like a lot of booths and your the greater goods is just like one little booth there, or is it I going to be like so. you like the center? I think though there may be a few more things. I'm not too sure how big they're going to go with it mm-hmm. um, or what's going to get added on in the meantime. Um, but there might be one or two other um, events and pop-ups. Yeah. Okay. And then the second question, are you going to be making these items like in real time? Are you going to have them prepared for the booth? Oh, no. Every member that shows up is going to make it themselves. Like workshops I do. Yeah. So I've done a few workshops now. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time I've done one, I would say 99% of people have never used a sewing machine. Yeah, Everyone has like a, it's a thing. Like everyone has like a deep fashion interest and like, um loves wearing clothes and loves buying clothes but no one's ever like taken that extra step and like bought a sewing machine learn how to make them i always use the analogy of like enjoying food Mm. and love eating food but never going into a kitchen (laughs) yeah um and like actually making stuff it's it's uh and it's it unlocks a new world once you start learning how to sew um and you see how things are made and like what you're able to like create like i could buy a pair of trousers and change the length and the mm-hmm. waist it doesn't matter what size i buy them at um yeah. and that's just been great so i think teaching that skill is like a big focus for me this year and i've got a few workshops lined up um it's very re- like rewarding so my job before greater goods was a sports coach i was mm-hmm. a badminton coach for 10 years um oh. and it was very it was a very rewarding job because you see people learn and progress and like mm-hmm. you actually have a physical effect and change on like someone and they yeah. might step away from that and like suddenly realized I want to go into textiles or like design in that case it was like improving badminton because I was a badminton coach so I think it's 
tapping back into that because I kind of missed that it was a brutal job in terms of it's very like you need a lot of energy to do it yeah. so it'd be nice like tap into that like rewarding teaching element of side of things you know yeah that, that sounds very cool 10 or 12 years as it was like a personal trainer you would like run camps what was like the it was I was, I was part of a badminton club like um oh, okay. growing up and then I kind of just stayed in that club and became like assistant mm-hmm. coach and coach Nice. Um, I could work that job like throughout school, throughout uni. Mm. Um, it was just very consistent, um, paid well. It was something I loved doing. And then from then I jumped from that to design. My background's graphic design. So I studied oh, graphics, okay. um, which is kind of like where the graphic element of greater goods came in. Um, so I freelanced a lot of graphics work. And then while I was doing that, I started greater goods, which started off as a carpentry um, uh, page, I'd say. So I was doing woodwork. So I was hmm. finding wood in my local area and then making desks and shelves and like wow. benches from wood that was found in my local area. Man, and then I'll just talents. sell it. It, well, it was kind of like I had an interest in so many different things. And uh-huh. like, I think in, in creative like world, you have to try so many things to know what you really like and really know what you want to do. Yeah. Um, which is often the hardest thing because having access to like woodwork equipment and like, all the materials you need a sewing machine like it's it can be quite intimidating but mm-hmm. for me it was there was never any loss involved so say if i picked up a sewing machine i spent uh 200 on it if it didn't work out i'll just sell it and i'd make all my money back all that i'd, I'd wasted was the time in a sense yeah. um and i've always had that attitude to new things if it's, you're just going to use your time but there's no other loss apart from that wow hey i'm, I'm scrolling back and if you scroll back far enough, you can see some of the woodworking that you've done. I've archived most of it. I've, yeah, I've left a few pieces a few there. Pieces just pieces so there. Yeah. Yeah. Just really so it's cool, there. Man. Yeah. I'm hoping to tap back into that in maybe next year if I have time this year, but like going into more furniture again, because it was mm-hmm. a big, I like, I, I still do a lot of woodwork, but I don't share it because it doesn't really have a place anymore. Oh. Um, but I do really enjoy it. Like it, when I sometimes if I'm sewing, I'd often get distracted and like start mm-hmm. watching a YouTube video. But with woodwork, it engages me for the whole day. Like I could skip lunch and dinner and carry on making something. Um, wow. So I wish I could like go into that a bit more. You could start a uh, a branch of greater goods that's dedicated to woodworking. Open up a, a yeah. second shop. Maybe I'd love to merge <laughs> it in in a way that it's like seamless. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'm buying more than i can chew at the moment because that's just another another project to work on mm-hmm. um if it lines up then yeah i would happily go into it um, but at the okay. moment it's just figuring out how i can make it feasible <laughs> time-wise and just yeah yeah i don't have a lot of energy to split up now well i mean we've already talked a lot about your past um when did you begin i guess we'll start we'll do sewing when did you begin sewing and when we jump into wood i'm curious about the woodworking too but we'll start with sewing Sweet. Yeah. So I learned to sew as a new year's resolution. Like it's the best resolution I've probably ever set myself, but <laughs> it was 2019, January the 1st. So wow. that was kind of the day I say I started sewing. Um, before That's then crazy. I never used a machine and my second name is Taylor as well. So I thought I mm-hmm. would like tap into that a bit more and start learning yeah. how to sew. Uh, and Make no one knew, like happy. it, it was just like a, um, a new skill I wanted to learn. So I was freelancing at a clothing store, mm-hmm. um, loads of cool Japanese brands, Nordic brands, mm. like really great stuff. And like, 
I was editing all the photos and I was seeing all this cool stuff. I was like, wow, these are great. Like I can't afford them because they're so expensive. So I was like, let me try and like learn how to sew stuff. Like maybe one day I could make this kind of caliber of product. Um, so I bought a sewing machine. I bought it. I bought a broken sewing machine off eBay because it was cheaper and fixed it. Then <laughs> used that machine to, it was just a very long winded process. But once I got going, um, I found it relatively easy. So I jumped from carpentry where I'm using like circular saws, mm-hmm. um, sanders and like jigsaws, things that you can lose an arm and a limb using <laughs> going to a sewing yeah. machine. Yeah. I was like, this is like a walk in a park. Like this machine does everything. <laughs> Child's play. Child's play. Yeah. It's honestly, it's so much easier than trying to do woodwork where you need like seven different tools to make one mm-hmm. object, transfer that to a sewing machine. You need one sewing machine um maybe an overlocker but to start with you just need a sewing machine and you can do so much with that mm-hmm. in a small form factor as well a desk and a yeah. table compared to like a huge work a workshop yeah like, yeah so i was like this is great and none of my friends like well a few of my friends like always i like, believe in what i do but i had a few friends say like what are you doing this like stick to <laughs> what you know kind of thing and i was like no yeah. this feels right i can't explain it but this feels correct um so then I started just learning how to sew, making simple things. And I didn't really buy any fabric new because I found it quite intimidating to have like a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me, I was trying to sell this like North Face jacket on eBay. No one wanted it because it was like absolutely beaten up. <laughs> um, so I was like, let me just cut that up and use that as my materials. And then that's kind of how Greater Goods started transforming from woodwork to textiles and like mm-hmm. still upcycling. Like for me, it yeah. was never upcycling, like the sustainability mm-hmm. thing. I always say it was a byproduct of just being creative with what I had. Um, and to this day, I still carry that mentality of like, it shouldn't be about the sustainability and the upcycling. That should be a byproduct of the creativity and just using things around you. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the thing I say to everyone that wants to get into like this kind of sector, it's just use things around you. Um, don't think too much about it and like trying to buy the perfect fabric or like source the right thing. It's just, use what you have um start from somewhere don't commit a bunch of money to something um just get get the ball rolling first yeah how how quickly after your um your love for sewing developed did you you know pivot to trying to sell stuff that you made two months three months (laughs) he's a city boy he's got he's got it in his blood (laughs) (laughs) it was literally like uh, I was working at the clothing store at the time. I'd made a bag um, and I, I went into work with the bag and like everyone's like, yeah, this is super great. Like it's nice. And then my boss was like, yeah, you should make a collection and sell these. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. But I always worried about like putting it out there and like getting the audience and that kind of thing. Um, and then one guy at the, the company, um, he just like totally saw the vision of it. Um, and gave me a, a contact at high beast and that kind of got me the that little push at the beginning to like get my first collection out there it was only 15 bags like it was nothing crazy yeah. um but it was the i launched the shopify page i listed mm-hmm. the bags i photographed everything myself and like mm-hmm. done everything um so yeah and then i sold them out over the weekend um which is crazy i never thought it would be possible but it <laughs> just kind of yeah it it's the best things happen when you don't overthink them and it just feels very organic. And that first collection, like, I don't think I can replicate that feeling of just like putting something out there, not overthinking about the logo, not overthinking about any of it. And just like letting it 
take the wind and do its own thing. Um, and ever since that, I've just kind of maintained that and kept on snowballing it. Um, nothing's really changed in my approach or, mm-hmm. or too much. When I think about it, I've just, I've got, a, I'm not working in my bedroom anymore is the main thing. <laughs> um, that's the only thing that's really changed. Um, yes, yeah, so you talk about the bedroom and you mentioned the Shopify page and like the whole buildup. Do you have like an actual storefront or, um, no, is it all online? No physical. You just have a it's workshop somewhere. Yeah. Just, I just have a studio space. That's kind of like, there's no, um, public facing window or anything like that. It's all just like, um, a closed off studio. Um, I've thought about having like a physical space, but it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. um and my audience is very global i've always i've done like yeah some christmas markets which i haven't put on instagram just because i wanted to see how i would do in like a physical space with no like social digital push or anything like that and like mm-hmm. i didn't sell anything for like weeks it was terrible um so i've always gone back to like the digital landscape where you have a global audience um and instagram's free and like newsletters are free it's a it just makes sense yeah. How does it feel? How did you feel when you saw that greatergoods.com was taken? Oh, uh, I, I, it was a no brainer. <laughs> it was gone. I didn't even need to check. I was like, well, <laughs> that's definitely gone. Um, let me just try and get something that is like great goods related. Now I've got great goods mm-hmm. got online, which is probably the yeah. worst URL, but <laughs> I don't use it too much in a sense. Like I don't really do too much like direct the customer orders or anything like that only when mm. i have a collection i put a collection out there yeah um and that kind of does its thing but yeah it's a horrific url i probably won't change it i'm gonna <laughs> commit to it it's like the logo i've not really changed the logo or mm-hmm. i don't think that stuff really matters on a small scale um i feel really? like only when you grow it really makes a an issue um mm. but on a small scale if i make 20 products that's 20 products like yeah. they'll slowly go it's not like i'm making like tens of thousands where like that's true you can really that's see stats and i think mm-hmm. small business and working on a small scale it's easy to overthink things that aren't really necessary at the beginning like mm-hmm. i believe a logo doesn't really matter in some circumstances it's wow. where it's like a lot of startups and um new companies might like spend thousands and like weeks and weeks developing a logo yeah, when... i mean that's what i had to do it was <laughs> it was probably at least ten thousand just on concept alone and then another 20 or 30 on design so yeah, yeah it that was, was just, only the first draft as well that was yeah the that final. was the first draft yeah and then you know you went to round two of yeah. <laughs> consultancy so <laughs> <laughs> um do you i don't see or i haven't seen do you put like any actual logo on the stuff that you make or you just it's just uh, the most, good there, there is logo it's really small oh. like I, it's a sewn in side label or there's oh, a lot, there a lot of the bags as an internal label okay. i'm not too coming from like a digital like um graphic design background i would mm-hmm. think i'd care more about it but <laughs> i honestly don't care too much about it it's uh it's not really a a focus i want to put it on like i will never come out with a t-shirt or a product that just has my logo on it it's not really for me yeah um yeah in a sense i think every product is so different and unique it's like well that design aesthetic and that language should be almost the logo in a sense yeah um it's it but there's no guideline with greater goods there's no um you can see every upload's different there's no like same graphic style it's mm-hmm. all just it just carries that like do-it-yourself dna a lot of it's yeah. very analog a lot of scanned a lot of texturing 
Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I kind of stay away from. I, I keep it clean looking, but in a sense, very not unclean. If that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Explain that. <laughs> I I don't know. I think like I started Greater Goods with just like a scanner and a laptop and like just the essential things around me and I work in like fashion, the retail kind of space. Everything was really clean and like perfect. Mm. Nothing had Minimalist. like texturing. Yeah, like clean background, like seamless backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was super clean, which is cool. It looks professional, but there was no character. And I've always loved things that have like a bit of grit and texture. And it's why I like using things that already exist. because um, they have such so much like story and character. Where you, and mm-hmm. in that carried into carpentry as well. Like I'd love the stuff that had like burn marks or like cup stains. Um, I'd never sand that away. I'd always use it. It would be great to see something and like realize that object existed as something else in a different form, um, which often isn't really translatable in like a clean aesthetic. It has yeah. to have that like grit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I it just, matches the scene too, you know, that like gritty yeah. outdoor kind of scene, or at least people that buy your clothes. I don't know if that You're wasn't even to, intentional i guess yeah. but i guess that's an angle to look at it i think for me it's just more like that's the stuff that's the design language i like mm-hmm. um it's it's true to me i can't do the clean stuff um yeah. but i can do the the more gritty diy kind of looking style mm-hmm. it's a uh, serendipitous i guess yeah exactly very cool um i'm just i'm racking my brain I guess this is still talking about past a little bit. Uh, what collection has been like your favorite to work on or like see the end product of? And then I, which one also sold the best, do you think? Or got the most uh, um, got the most praise? It's hard to think. I think the, the first one in terms of what I'm most proud of and what was most fun, it was definitely the first Arcterix project. Mm-hmm. Um I made that whole collection in my bedroom, the first <laughs> one. Um, I photographed everything on my like bedroom floor with like a single light set up. I made everything on my tiny desk. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a hell of a project. And that project came about like incredibly organically. Um, I don't I think I've ever say, told this story, but I'm happy yeah, to tell it on here. But it was, um, I made like that reworked Arcturix jacket, which I bought off like facebook um mm. just because i thought it was no one was going to buy it it was completely beaten up it had paint stains all over it mm. um so i got it for like dirt cheap and no one wanted it <laughs> and so i reworked that as like a personal piece and then that kind of done its rounds on insta and then it somehow ended up uh, with cooper which a friend of the pod friend of the um, pod cooper gill the uh the kimono uh, yeah yeah exactly and then so i cool. think <laughs> A few of the friends, I I kind of knew they were aware of it and they loved it, mm-hmm. which was great. And then I was putting together like a deck on a project I would love to do with them and how it would, we would raise money for charity and like make some cool mm-hmm. pieces with damaged product. Yeah. Um, and I was making this deck. I had done like three pages and like I was fleshing out the whole like the whole project uh, basically. And then as I'm doing that, I get an email from Cooper. It's like a sentence long saying like, let's do something cool, make money for charity. We'd love to get you on board. I'm like, that is so cool. That is so cool, man. Yeah, it was crazy. I I think I said to him, like I was literally about to send you an email um, Uh with the exact thing you've just said. (laughs) Um, 
And then, yeah, it kind of just happened from there. Uh, they initially wanted like a collection, um, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'd love to do a lookbook. I'd love to like do the full like visual for the whole project. Yeah. Um, and that was the first artist series project. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was great. together to, one, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I knew everyone involved in that project and like, I didn't, I was part of Flock Together, but I joined the group knowing I had this project. Um, and then I just experiencing the group, I realized this is the perfect group to support with the project. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything lined up incredibly well. It was crazy. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be. Um, and yeah, that was just so fun. It sounds like and it. having that trust from a brand to like mm-hmm. do the graphics, make product, the London store probably hadn't done something like that before. So like having that event yeah. um, was crazy. That kind of like showed me like what is possible. And that was, that was from my bedroom. Like I had no <laughs> team. I still don't have a team, but like I was on my own in my bedroom making that. Um, wow. So it was, uh, it was very eye-opening. I think since then I've kind of just developed on that and like seen what's possible and how you don't need much to do something big. Well, I say big, but big in my world. Um, so yeah, that was definitely the most exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a great like three sixty experience. And in terms of the best selling product, it's mm-hmm. actually nothing really gorp related. It's actually the oh. knitted balaclavas we do, ah. um, which is run by my girlfriend. So she makes most of them oh, very um, nice. with, along with another friend, Liv. So it's kind mm-hmm. of it's not really related. Um, but that's definitely like our best selling product. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I think it was kind of like timing of everything. Um, COVID and masks and knitwear coming back. True. And I think yeah. it's just in the city, Perfect like storm. you see so many things. And like, I saw people wearing these knitted balaclavas, but you'd have to know someone who knits to get one. Yeah. There was no one really like making them for public purchase, you know? So it was kind of the thing that we had to do and then we styled them just like with a friend in the studio, mm-hmm. um, just shot it on a clean backdrop just because of time and like just ease of use to get that yeah. out of the way. And it done incredibly well. Like it was crazy. Um, it's so funny. That's like the, the, the best product we've done is a, a knitted head headwear piece. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything you make is cool. Um, going back to the, the whole greater goods thing. I remember I talked to Cooper about, um, the whole project and he didn't really he didn't he didn't didn't give the whole story so i'm glad you were there to talk about it and also that is kind of like i remember that's like one of the first big collections that when i got into the scene i was like dang i'm like heavily invested like this it was like the first launch of products where i was like okay i I would consider myself part of this community because i am following this and i was i was just so disappointed i was like dang i didn't know what greater goods was i i knew what arcteryx was i didn't really know what flock together was um i was just like dang that kimono was sick i wanted so bad but i i just i couldn't i can't remember if it was released in the states or not uh, at the time it's been a while and i've probably suppressed it yeah i've not done a i don't think it was in the u.s it's not it's yeah. not been in the u.s yet mm-hmm. um but, but yeah, that yeah, project was crazy. Just super, super cool. Just really awesome stuff. And I remember like begging people to send me scans of like the uh, the magazine that was released oh, alongside it. I've got a bunch. I'll send you some over. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be sick. But just really personally, a uh, what's the word? Someone someone said this the other day. Uh, 
Tim Hamilton was saying North Star. It was a North Star collection for me. <laughs> like I have was, no idea what that means. It's, but it's it like a cool. uh, like a shining star, like a like a guiding a guiding light, like just something to look at and say, like, "Wow, that was oh sweet, was, okay, nice, yeah, I get you." You know, like a big moment. It sounds like something someone in America, in corporate America, would say. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, I just had to. Uh, I was gonna say. Uh, jerk you off a little bit, but I don't know if I can say it on a podcast. <laughs> just um, congratulate you a little bit. It's your podcast. You can say I whatever, can say whatever right? I want. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I don't know if she still listens, but sorry, mom. Um, sick. Well, okay. So we've talked about the past. We talked about what's done really well. What you've enjoyed making. Um, what haven't you enjoyed making? Uh, that's, that's a question no one's ever asked me. Um, yeah. That's the hit. Trees well, and difference. I'm going to ask the hard hitting yeah, questions. That, that one's hit different. That one's definitely <laughs> hit different. Let me think. I've enjoyed everything. There's been projects with, which have been long and like mm-hmm. labor intensive and every day is the same, but that's just part of the, the job, I guess. But like, there's nothing yeah. I've hated making. Like, it's a very, I mean, I'm kind of in control of what I can make and what I mm-hmm. need to make for pro- every project I've done has been like, a two-way collaboration in a sense that we both have like an opinion and like change in the project. So I've never been pushed into making something um, that I've hated to make. Um, probably just like small projects that are like family members giving me a pair of trousers that I have to like alter or something like that, or like <laughs> a pillowcase that's like broken. I need to repair it and small yeah. things like that are kind of like, okay, I'll quickly do that kind of stuff. Yeah, just give but, it to me. <laughs> yeah, I've become that guy that can like hem your trousers if you need to like have hem trousers. But like, mm. yeah, there's been nothing I've hated. Every product has been good and I've learned loads from it. Um, I'm definitely still learning and I think that's been the best thing. Every project is like so different. Mm-hmm. So I have to learn loads to learn from something it. New. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that keeps me on my toes. Um, and still, it's still continuing. Like I've had calls this week, which I'm going to have to like, learn new things and like see how i'm going to approach something new um so yeah i don't think i've ever been bored i don't think i'll ever hit a stage where i'll be like wow this is boring because i'm in full control of things yeah Yeah, if i get bored of something i'll i'll go into like metal work and start doing like (laughs) upcycled metal another another, another trade yeah yeah i keep saying to people like great goods might be something else next year um Mm -hmm. i I enjoy textiles but i enjoy a lot of things so maybe it'll just develop Mm-hmm. um grow, but carry grow that. You grow. yeah exactly it is just an extension of like the things i like like it, mm-hmm. i didn't call it my own name because i didn't want to be staring at my own name <laughs> every time i like make something it just doesn't feel right with me but it is essentially just things i like making mm-hmm. um what was the what's the reason i guess that's like a dumb way to put it but what's the reason behind the name greater goods the story um, that's a better way to, that's a podcast way to say it <laughs> I'm trying to think back to when I named it that it just sounded good and like it has a bit of alliteration it just there's a, everything there's a lot of brand names of like goods and like good and like yeah. that kind of element and I was like mm-hmm. well let me Might just well. go with this like <laughs> and I got the word like the the copyright for it and all that the trademark mm. um so I was like yeah let me just stick with this and I know if I designed a new logo or changed the name, it, it wasn't that important. And I was shifting mm. my focus on something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so I was like, let me just focus on making something because that is the core of it. 
um, if I change my logo and whatever, no one's going to really care. So mm. like, let me just commit to something and just keep that rolling. And I had like, I made stamps, I laser cut all these stamps um, that had that logo. And I was like, that's it. I've made these stamps. I'm not going to remake these ever again. <laughs> um, I'm sticking with that. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, kind of talking about now. Um, we've talked a little bit about what you're doing now and even what the future holds for you for your little workshop. Um, no. What are some brands you like, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> I asked that question to everyone, but yeah, what are just some what are some brands that you like? Um, trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I kind of don't keep up with too much, too many brands, to be honest. It's kind of more like small designers. I'm kind of inspired by more than like big brands. Um, of course, all the brands I've worked with have been incredible. So I, I would just name all of them, but I think that's the the easy route to take mm -hmm. um but in terms of actually a few brands of like there's a lot of korean brands that are like incredible pattern cutters mm. um i think post archive faction i think that's how they're called let me just double yeah. check i don't want to be so i can't remember someone put me on to them recently yeah post archive faction like they share a lot of their process um and their pattern cutting is just ridiculous like it's so complex um and it, is, it does seem like a very manual, I don't think they do much digital design. So it seems very like hands-on. Um, so seeing their work is always great. And, and whenever I see like some process or like behind the scenes, like design imagery, I always screen cap mm. it. So I've got a bunch of screen, because I'm learning as I go, like I have no yeah. fashion background. So I see these things and like save them to a little folder, just like, like a reference to see how they do things. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the first one that comes to mind. Um, and then John Luke, which Patrick of mentioned the other, the other week, he's, uh, he's incredible. So yeah, definitely a lot of like young designers. I just see mm -hmm. scrolling through Insta, um, and inspired by, I don't really buy much like new clothing. It's always mm -hmm. like secondhand or whatever. So I don't really get to physically see some designs, mm -hmm. but through the digital lens, like everything just looks incredible. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, John Luke is somewhat of a legend here on the podcast where every guest that I bring on says, yeah, he was one of my inspirations. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll make sure I message him next week. I, yeah, I have, yeah, definitely. I've had definitely. a long list. All right. I've, there's a lot of people that I've promised that they can come on and I haven't let him come on yet. So he'll you can, like, hopefully say yes. calendar set up and just like slowly go through the list. Yeah. But even then it's like, you know, things happen and people have to reschedule and yeah, of course. Yeah, no, don't worry. I have I have the list made on my on my phone. I have a it's whatever. But anyway, not to not to talk too much about behind the scenes of the show. But uh, <laughs> they have to sign the NDAs and they have to, uh, <laughs> you know, all, all, all that jazz. <laughs> um, yeah. So talk. Let's talk a little bit about the future for not only greater goods but also just kind of like Jameis. Yeah, I think. For me, it's just the next six months are pretty busy with like projects. And I kind of, I've, I've always tried to plan ahead, but it's mm -hmm. impossible. Like projects and collaborations <laughs> That's come what up. I'm telling you, it's impossible to plan yeah, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is actually impossible. I don't know how some people do it. You can have a rough idea, but I'd get a project and it would come through and they're like, oh yeah, this is for next month. Or like, this is the next few <laughs> months. I'm like, okay, 
yeah that's that's me for the next two months so it's very much mm. like roll with the punches and like keep the ball rolling and be very flexible um mm. in terms of like a goal for the year i kind of just want to almost develop a team it's mm. a very like big task for me but like yeah outsource a bit more and just like expand out of the bubble i'm in at the moment um which is definitely like a a big goal of mine but it's something i've not like set a, maybe i haven't got a time limit on it but it's something that's definitely in my mind um and yeah just seeing how things progress i don't have i i don't have a vision for greater goods i kind of will let it adapt and change and see how it takes where it goes we're already doing like styling projects and like art direction mm. projects which really? aren't yeah which aren't really on the instagram or whatever mm. um so it already is quite flexible and like seeing where greater goods can go but still ha- based around the like the aesthetic is created and the brand language it's created um so yeah we'll see i i don't have a solid vision for greater goods and me personally mm-hmm. i kind of develop from greater goods and greater goods kind of develops from me in a sense yeah. so um, for me, it's always a skill set. I always want to expand my skill set. I'd love to learn how to weld. So that's been mm. on my list. Um, get better at sewing, maybe get a few more machines. And okay. um, yeah, just develop my skill set because I feel like that's the core of things. And then from that, you have to have an understanding of every element. That's the difficult part is that you have to be a jack of all <laughs> trades, but mm. a master of none in a sense. So just have your your knowledge and everything you need to know. Um, so just expanding that would be my goal. That's awesome. What kind of team are you looking to build? Like salespeople or marketing people or like designer people? What, what are you I looking think, for? Yeah, I think design side would be great. Um, I've already spoken to a potential intern. He's really enthusiastic. Oh, nice. Great. Um, so yeah, I think having like a design support on the di- design side, mm-hmm. but then someone who's always a, a bit more savvy on like, more the business angle have like mm-hmm. a bit of a uh like a law background would be incredible mm-hmm. um, i've got great lawyers already but it'll be amazing to have someone who's like core of the team if that's like makes have sense you had to use the lawyers for something uh yeah if you want to go down that route it's that's yeah, yeah. Another, if, you, if you can talk about it if you can talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah, it I of course so. yeah yeah i feel like <laughs> it's fine yeah um but yeah i do a lot of stuff with like logos and that like, copyright and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it's definitely a a big angle i've had my my fair share of like potential problems but they've seemed to all really? be okay it's really funny how like some brands will understand what i'm doing and like understand i'm just a one-man band and then some uh-huh. brands will be like no this can't happen this but then go on it. <laughs> later on to partner with someone else and do the same thing but with their Ooh. like permission it's Uh-oh. a it's a funny one like I'm, that's why I'm really thankful to the, bra- to the brands that have approached me and do understand and like have been great to work with. Um, and a lot of the brands are in the same like industry and sector, so it's a it's that's been a, a steep learning curve for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> damn, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um. Well, that's very cool. I've I've heard from well not heard. I've seen and heard people who are, you know, one man teams or just like one or two man teams giving up that design control or that just like giving up control of the business 
can be kind of difficult for them. Are you like embracing that? Are you still like a little nervous about bringing on like another designer? Uh, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. if you've if you built something from the ground up and it is just an extension of who you are, almost like another limb, it is mm-hmm. quite naturally quite tricky to yeah. have someone else involved and um, yeah, let go of the wheel a bit and like trust someone. Um, but I think that's it's the only like organic route to take. We had a mm-hmm. big mentorship program yesterday with um, Converse and we we're all just discussing. It was other creatives involved as well. And we'll, I felt like we we're all in the same boat of like having to like delegate and like almost build a small team. Because mm-hmm. um, at the moment it's fine. I can handle everything I'm doing. It's very intense, but I have to think like a few years down the line in a sense. Like yeah. I can't maintain this like furious like work rate. It has to somehow ironically quite be sustainable mm-hmm. um so yeah i think it's a it's a a thought that's like developing with me and i'm more comfortable with now nice um sure i had a point on that uh i know with like a lot of these artists um like daniel arsham shoe mm-hmm. artist i should clarify daniel arsham uh murakami they like they're kind of more of ideas guys and they have people that do work for them. Um, you know, at least now, maybe they started out doing it all on their own. But um, I, w- when I was, when I was just a, a wee lad, I didn't really like that. I, th- when I, when I heard that, you know, they weren't making all the stuff themselves, it was like, man, I, I kind of like that. But then it's like, well, I don't know if Murakami would want to paint a 100 foot like mural by himself maybe he wants it's to have someone possible, like help out it? yeah. yeah it's like at a certain point it becomes like you are an expert and you're basically like a creative director at that point you know whether you like the mm. ideas person you created design and it's like well you know here's what it should look like and then you it's kind of like being a director for a movie you know they don't know how to work the cameras perfectly most likely so it's like they hire someone who can so it makes sense so yeah that, i think it's exactly kind of a tangent that. but yeah no it's, it's a very good point and i i felt like i had the same feeling you had i was like mm-hmm. they're not artists if they're not doing it kind of thing yeah. like it's, it's it should be them holding the paintbrush and that, i think there's a big thing with damien hurst as well is i think mm-hmm. that's a big one as well um but it is yeah i guess they've kind of expanded from the art world like james jean tom Sachs, all these guys they they expanded from art they're doing like products they're doing films they're doing mm-hmm. like um sculptures nfts they're doing everything so it's kind of Mm. they they have to have a team to create things like that like yeah every week they're doing a new gallery show there's a print release there's a book it that can't happen without a team um but everything carries that dna i think tom Mm -hmm. Sachs is amazing at it his brand language and dna is carried across everything he produces he's Mm -hmm. got furniture but you can tell it's his furniture yeah Shout out um, Tom Sachs. I need a pair of Mars Yards 2.0, please. Yeah, same. So that's 11 and a half US. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely a big inspiration of mine because he's had that like um that DIY aesthetic since his first um piece. I think the first thing he made was like a a clay or play-doh Nikon camera. And mm. um, he made that in like the 90s. And if you look at that now, you can tell straight away that's his work. Um, and you can compare that to his like um, space program project, which is like yeah. huge. And you can, it looks exactly the same. <laughs> it in a looks, sense. It's like, the same, like 
what's that what's that word even language design language yeah yeah it's that thread that ties it all together like it, yeah. it has no logo on there but you can tell it's their work mm-hmm. um i think that's quite important that's only developed through like repetition and like really refining something down you can do a nike collab and it still looks like tom's work even yeah. though it's just a nike shoe so i think that is like something that's incredibly hard to learn and to like flesh out and like really develop um often you can get into something and like give up before that that's really developed but yeah maybe if you carried it on for another five years ten years then it would kick in and suddenly you have this like stylized way of working yeah developing your own like your own brand your own style imagery whatever you want to call it it's very important that's what i think like even look at like instagram like the people in this scene who are like the most successful or who are growing successfully like have their own brand have their own like theme you know what i mean you know shout out shout out foot down liam i don't know if you follow him but he uh, yeah yeah his whole thing about you know his like uh budget guides for clothing his like editing style for videos and for pictures even it's very like concise he's got like a very tight um image i guess mm. you know it, mm. it, it doesn't right. just doesn't just matter for like artists you know it's just helpful to always have that as a person it's very tricky to find that element as well because you you mm-hmm. want to be inspired by people and by nature you are inspired by people yeah but then you have to almost fight that and not replicate but like replicate and add your twist exactly. and it's adding your element that is the the hardest thing to do correctly i see a lot of people like um i can i can see their page and directly notice who they're inspired by mm-hmm. but then you have Absolutely. to have that yeah that notice of oh i know they're inspired by that person but they're doing this twist or they they've added their own spit on it and then there's that element but then being authentic enough to carry that on and not like fizzling out as well um like i before all this i used to illustrate a lot so on my personal page i used to draw a lot um and i loved it it was great but it, it was incredibly hard for me to like find my drawing style and i think that's when i was like i I give up on this i physically can't like i don't mind continuing for a long time but it's like i have to find uh, a creative outlet that i can like be really comfortable with quicker um Mm -hmm. so i almost had to accelerate that and that's when i started doing carpentry and like Mm. sewing um but drawing was great because it was a skill that allowed me to communicate ideas without even having to speak i could draw and show someone and they get it I could, if someone wanted a coffee table, I could draw it out and show them they get it. Um, mm. And if the drawings were neat and accurate, even better, like the translation of the idea is like clearer. Um, so that core skill was transferable to everything I've done. I could draw woodwork stuff. I could draw like bags and like garments. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I'll say, God damn, you are a talented man. I'm I'm scrolling through your, your personal <laughs> right now and looking at your drawings and it is really really good it's very good stuff oh, man. I, don't, I don't know if you like Thank it or not you. i don't i know there are some artists that don't like it when you compliment their stuff but yeah very good um and even more so because i am trying to get my um well okay i'll say for a project i'm working on actually i think it'll be announced by the time your podcast comes out for the patreon uh yeah it'll be out um i'm i'm working on right now the uh um the logo with my friend who's an artist well part-time artist first first draft 10k 
Yeah, yeah. This is this is the 10K first draft. Oh, I'm, I'm working with him. He's the one who did the uh, Eagle and the Deer logo that I have. And um, it's just been kind of a back and forth of me trying to describe to him what I would like and then him like not fully understanding and then sending me a rough draft. It's like, well, it's good. It's still like good art, but it's like not what I was looking for. And just like if I could give him a sketch that wasn't like stick figures on a piece of paper, I think it would be a lot easier for him to understand. And like I could even I, I had to go out and like take a picture of like I had to build like everything I wanted and like take a physical picture and be like, this is what I would like. Like this represents this, this represents this. Um, Cause it just, I couldn't communicate it through words or imagery. So I think it's just like drawing in general is a nice skill to have just like as a person, it's a great you know, skill. it's very overlooked. And like going back to Daniel Arsham, he's an incredible drawer. So mm-hmm. I feel like when he creates these bronze sculptures, he just does a sketch, shows that to the casters and the, yeah. the ideas guys on that side of the team. And that's it. The idea is perfectly translated. They don't need to make like five drafts of that bronze sculpture. It's done in the first yeah. one. Um, so sketching is amazing. It's incredibly overlooked and like looked down upon because it's not mm-hmm. academic. Um, but it is a great skill and like very transferable. I feel like if people learn transferable skills, it isn't like a clean slate every time you start something new. Um, so drawing for me translated to carpentry, like translated to textiles. Um, so I think, yeah, learning a new skill is great, but if it's transferable, it's even better. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Um, my sister is also a talented artist and uh, I've been trying to convince her for years to sell her artwork and she just refuses to. Yeah, I don't it's know the why. hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. It's a lot of artists don't want to do it. And it's uh, it can be very demoralizing if it doesn't sell well at the beginning and trying to push it forward. Um, it's the problem I had. It was like, I I felt wrong monetizing my artwork. Like mm. I made a few zines because I love like the graphic element of it, but mm. monetizing my drawings, I, I just didn't like. Um, I always loved having a physical, making a physical product that would be used. I never understood the value in having artwork on the wall, especially my mm. own drawings. Um, <laughs> so I can totally understand like your sister's feeling towards that. Yeah, should we have oh it's like my old closet that was converted to like her drawing room when I mm. left. And uh um it's just full of discarded art that she doesn't want to hang up in her room, but it's like it's all good stuff, but she just like she won't sell it and she won't hang it up. So it's like it's just gonna sit in a closet until you know she she needs a little bit of money and wants to sell it on Etsy or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things you just carry around with you now. Like I do the exact same thing. Like I have these drawings that I don't do with. Um, mm. But yeah, it's great. It sometimes it's nice not even like putting it anywhere. It's just nice not having to like make something to be sold or to be shown. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I wish I could do that more. But now I'm so like need to make something to be like this project or like to be sold oh, you feel like you don't have time for like your own personal work yeah I, I do personal stuff but it's more like i've made loads of bags for myself i'm not going to sell mm. but oh yeah it's more you, i just saw to, that one you posted the other day yeah i've done a few now but it's like i use those opportunities to like almost develop new designs and patterns that could be mm-hmm. in a collection down the line oh. so it's kind of like it is for myself but mm-hmm. i also know it's actually benefiting well, I mean, that's... greater goods that's, it's I don't think that's anything. Stone. Yeah. That's because yeah. you're still doing it for yourself. But it's like, you're like you said, it's, you're always learning, you're always growing. So it's like, this is just an upper, another opportunity to grow. And you know, that might help me 
in the business a little bit down the road, which is also a good thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a good way of putting it. For sure. Also, speaking of the page and the company, you are officially the person with the most followers to come on the podcast. I just, I just really? saw that. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. 30 K and uh, number Surely one. Patrick is must be pretty break. You'd think, right? You'd think, cause it used to be Ali George. And I actually, I told him that it was, it used to be Ali. And he's like, well, I thought it would be Patrick. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> funnily enough, he's only got like, what's the, what's the number? 18,000. Which just goes to show how much that number only is. 18, <laughs> only eighteen thousand. Only eighteen thousand. Which, like, you know, this man is a legend. You'd think he'd have a lot more than that. Yeah, it's terrible positioning. I can't be coming on after Patrick's podcast, <laughs> which is like the coolest guy. It's it's very hard to follow up. Um, no, you but see, that's funny. Like, I I don't even look at my followers, and I don't really <laughs> upload on Instagram too much. Mm. So I kind of just yeah, I just let us do his thing. That's the coolest thing you've ever said. What? You don't I even do care. Thing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I care about it in a sense. It'll be, I, I would like it to go up and whatever, but I don't, uh-huh. I don't really run ads. I don't do any reels. I don't, I don't uh-huh. upload every day. Like it's, it's horrific. Like I'm going against everything you should be doing. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talked about this a little bit when Rory was on as well, but like the best way to grow is just be like be yourself and be organic. And like true to what you want to do because that'll just it's very like, hard look. to do that though it's tricky yeah but i mean like a lot of people find their way and once you find your way you kind of have it you know what i mean true. um like i've just started posting reels now one because they're great and everyone loves watching reels and they get a lot of views and makes my dopamine receptors go up but um <laughs> also because i used to edit tons of video like even when i was like 11 or 12 I had like a GoPro and like Adobe Premiere on my like home computer, my family computer. And I was like making little videos, with my friends. And so that video making has translated now to like something that I enjoy. So it's, it's just nice to, to be back doing that again. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. That makes perfect sense. I was literally on a call today um, and we were talking about like, like if you have to think about being yourself, mm-hmm. that's already like, or the first hurdle exactly you have to, like okay i need to be authentic i need to be organic i need to be who i am if you have to think like that already surely that's mm-hmm. like the first hurdle you've already like fucked up on exactly you've already failed it's a really tricky like it's such you know? a, a balance of like again being inspired and absorbing the content that other people are making and like really taking it in but at the same time trying to be authentic and maybe mm-hmm. like your authentic self isn't the best perceived like it it might not i'm very introverted and i love being on my own but mm-hmm. how does that translate to like me sharing something with thirty thousand <laughs> people like it doesn't yeah. it's a bit of an oxymoron a bit of like contradiction <laughs> constantly so it's a it's a weird concept to think about that is interesting yeah i think like kind of like your your belief of not really not really focusing on it or not really like caring about it care not caring about it, it's a weird word to say i wish there was like an in-between where yeah it's something that you care about obviously but it's not something that rules your life where you're like okay if Is this like number being doesn't a, go up yeah being oblivious to it maybe kind of yeah like you just throw something up because you like it and hopefully other people mm. like it you know mm. it'd be like the perfect form of social media where there's like 
there's no likes, but then you still get a following because of it. You know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. You yeah, want people yeah. to like I, it, but you don't want them to like it because other people like it. You know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird little No, it's interesting. Paradox, it's I wonder of. in the future if there is that, that like angle of social media in a sense mm-hmm. that it does, you can build an audience, but there isn't this love or hate engagement kind of element to it. Um, yeah. Maybe that already exists. I don't know. I guess that's, I don't know. I still use Tumblr a lot. Like I, oh, I really yeah. love Tumblr. Um, I was just thinking the other. Actually, I'm not going to say it. Okay, I was thinking of. Like, well, he doesn't want me to say it either. Yeah. Um, cut it. I was thinking of making a Tumblr and just like taking the Tumblr name of Trees and Nylon, just so no one else will take it. Um, but if I say that on a podcast and don't do it, someone might take it. So I'm going to cut that out. But, okay. Yeah. You uh, might as well. Like no one uses the platform like that, but it's very mm-hmm. good for like just yeah, mood boarding and like being inspired quite easily without like instagram is very repetitive it's very samey mm-hmm. like i see a lot of the same kind of stuff which makes sense because i follow people that have like their avenue but tumblr is yeah. very like almost random in a sense so it's like stuff you like but are like inspired by so i have a page that i reblog just myself as like a mood board page mm-hmm. um and I, whenever i'm like feeling uninspired i'll literally just go on there and like instantly i like feel a bit more motivated to do some work very nice yeah i think like i could definitely see like a tumblr type or like there's a social media called vsco um where it's like you upload oh, yeah, photos sweet. yeah yeah i could definitely see both of those like coming back in i just saw on um someone's post i think it was 114 index's post about like the algorithm being bad uh, yeah, I saw that. a lot of the sentiment was like yep this is instagram it's a slowly dying platform like i don't know i hope not it's done me well so far and it's connected me to a lot of cool people but like could another platform do that better i don't know yeah it's tricky one i feel like every social media has like a timeline doesn't it they all have a, mm-hmm. a lifespan um i think it's just how you use them i think it's yeah. just how you what you output um who you message I guess it's different in 114 index kind of because he's uploading like a lot and it's like a mood yeah. board page in a sense. So I use Instagram different, differently differently mm-hmm. to how he does and how to you do. I think it's the same tool, but used in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. So even if Instagram dies in a sense, I'll still use it to network. Um, I use it like LinkedIn in a sense, you know, oh, like, okay. everyone's on there. Like, me and Cooper got connected on Instagram. Oh, yeah. um, I me mean, and, hey, me too. Yeah. You know, I like think, it's... sorry for interrupting you, but I think Cooper no, no. even put on his story the other day. Um, like if you want to get in touch with me, don't email me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect <laughs> you know? sense. Like if someone e- emails me, I'm going to, I'm going to reply late. I'm going to sit on it and just like reply incredibly mm-hmm. late. But if someone DMs me, I'm replying to that straight away. I've worked yeah. on so many projects where I feel like the team I'm working with have realized I replied to emails late and they've just mm-hmm. transferred it to Instagram. And I'm yeah. like, if you have my mobile number, WhatsApp me. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, email is such like a, you have it's to be antiquated. a different person. Yeah, yeah. I don't really get it. Like I kind of gone straight into like, you need to like carpentry stuff. I kind of miss like the formal office environment. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like haven't really learned like email formality in a sense, but every time I do use email, like to communicate, it just seems very long winded for no reason. And like yeah. having to tick all these like formal boxes with, and then as soon as it goes to Instagram or anything outside of email, it's chilled. Yeah. It's the same two people. It's very talking. strange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's so old school and not needed. So yeah, most of my favorite projects have just stemmed from a DM conversation. Um, and we only transfer it to emails when we're like sending files or getting more people yeah. involved. It's just like, I don't know. I wish there was a way to get rid of that formal email kind of, kind of element. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it is like the, the industry standard, I guess. It is. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I understand like obviously sending files is good or if you're doing something like even then, well, actually, so actually when I was, when I was interning at one company, they didn't really send emails as much as they sent uh, zoom messages. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know zoom was a message messaging app, but apparently there is like a zoom chat function and they had like different mm-hmm. groups or different teams. And they were all just like sending messages there. Like I know companies use Slack nowadays. So hopefully email is like a dying medium. Um, and maybe, you know, messaging in general will kind of take its place because it is even on like LinkedIn, I feel like I can be more uh, personable and less formal than I am on like an email. Right. Okay. I deleted my LinkedIn. I, oh, yeah. a friend, a friend in like made me, this is like second year of uni. He went off and um, done an internship and I was at uni and he was telling me how good it was and like finding work and like networking with people it just didn't fit to like the way I liked working. So mm. I, I, I never <laughs> kept it updated. I think I was still a student on there for like years and years. And I was like, let me just get rid of this. Cause if yeah. anyone finds it, they're still going <laughs> to think I'm studying. So I was like, okay, let me get rid of this. Just no need um, for it anymore. Yeah, exactly. I do that thing. If someone gets in touch, I Google their name and find their LinkedIn. Mm. So I was like, let me just avoid people doing that on me and getting it all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey that's proactive i like that i um actually i did um i did look up i did just google trees and nylon the other day i've never done that before because i think i'm important when i when i looked up the trees and nylon name you know you see the podcast lots of podcast stuff i even know if my instagram even shows up (laughs) which is kind of funny i'm like yeah it's like the first three are me and the next one is like an ad for nylon trees on amazon.com. Don't know what that is, but... Uh, Have you just done a Google search? Is that what you've done? Yeah, literally just Google trees and nylon, see what happens. Oh, mine's totally different to yours. Oh, what's yours? Yeah, I can tell you mine. Top one is Instagram. Okay. The second one is the Spotify trees and nylon. Okay. Um, then listening notes and then Apple podcasts and then Reddit. Reddit? Uh, and then your yeah, link tree. I made a Reddit post once <laughs> for the Cooper Girl uh, episode. That's, that's the one that's coming up. And yeah. then Anchor FM and then yeah. social, wow. like social grep, whatever that is. And then, yeah. So mine's pretty, pretty good. Mellow Clo comes up on a Facebook post. Everything that's ties so strange. in. Even, yeah. when I, even when I Google on an incognito browser, that's not what mine looks like. I wish that was what mine looked like. Oh, wow. That's odd. Maybe it's like regional. Um, Maybe it is. Maybe it's what UK, people are looking so, yeah. for. Hmm. I got to get bigger in the U.S. It looks like. 
you've had a lot of uk guests though haven't you i have and it's like most of the people in the scene are from the uk as well so like i don't really have much yeah. of a choice as far as that goes i'm sure there's a lot of good like american like designers and pages and i don't mm. know talk with the utah university um, yeah. i know you spoke to chase before and like i have yes there's there's probably some incredible student design students in that, that group are. i should probably uh I'll ask Chase to try to put me in touch. So yeah, maybe that, that'd be good. But there is there is a severe lack of uh, American uh, representation, you know, because like it is, it, it's strange because a lot of these people, I guess they're just not in the Gorp course scene because like people go hiking here. There's a big hiking culture, but there's not mm-hmm. a very big like outdoor streetwear culture. Yeah, that's, I think me and El Hole chat about this a lot in a sense that it's so UK Humble heavy. Brand. <laughs> no, just because he does all the outdoor stuff and I never do that uh-huh. element. And we always just talk about like how it's so UK heavy, yet America yeah. has so many great national parks. It's so much bigger. Um, all the like outdoor brands, or well, not all of them, but the big ones are US based or like yeah. Canadian based. Um, yet the UK scene is so strong for such a small island, mm-hmm. um, which I've, I've never really understood how that's worked out. Um, yeah, I don't know either. But hey, yeah. that's just, I, I really don't. Maybe it's because like mm, the US isn't as like fashion heavy, the UK is smaller. So I don't know. There's got to be something. I'll get someone on the yeah. team to start looking into that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what job role that would be like strategy, <laughs> like geographical. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get um, like a stats, analy- human geography. Analytics. Yeah. That's, that's not going to cost a little <laughs> bit. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to, hopefully this episode does well. <laughs> I can pay them the $4 I make off of it. <laughs> um, well, Jameis, I don't know if I have any more uh, questions for you. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about anything relating to um, the podcast or anything in general? You can just tell me it's on the top of your head if you'd like. Um, top of the head? <laughs> No, nah, I can't think of it. I was thinking like the best, what is your like favorite form of like having a potato in a sense of like crisps, oh, chips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite form of potato, honestly. Okay, I really like a scalloped potato with like cheese. Right. Like okay. potato au gratin or whatever it is. I'm a big fan of that. That's like my bougie answer. And then my normal answer is hash browns. Oh, hash browns. I didn't even yeah. Yeah, I didn't, that slipped my mind. <laughs> That slipped my mind. Or you you have to be it. limited on that. Yeah. I was going to say it's like we have like a jacket potato. So just like a baked potato. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, I feel like it's quite a British kind of thing. Um, but sometimes like in the middle of the night, out of nowhere, I'll just have a craving. And I realize I haven't had one in ages. Just um, a baked potato, which is like stuff yeah, and lots of stuff. Yeah. Just that's it. What do you put yeah, in it? Uh, anything? It's either like baked beans or like cheese or like tuna um tuna. a bit of salad yeah it's in, in the potato? yeah like it's yeah as like a filling it's almost yeah, like yeah, a sandwich I, filling. yeah yeah I, I mean i've had a big potato i've never heard of tuna or honestly baked beans going in the potato but it does sound good because like am i it's not, it's not like in it's like the oh, it's on sliced. Side. well no it's a, it's like it's sliced and then like <laughs> poured on top so it's okay. neither in or on it's uh. both it's both. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to put baked beans in a potato, I think. 
I think I'm going to see how do it that. goes. I think in, I think it would be theory, great. It's kind of yeah. I guess I don't know. British food. <laughs> you is don't sound best, very so. enthusiastic about it. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about it, I realized how like boring and bad it sounds. So yeah, it's British by food, all means, man. give it a go. <laughs> hey, nothing's the trending. British, but uh, British food looks like the good old British breakfast is just like a plate of brown and like maybe a little bit of red. Yeah, it's different shades of like beige com- and brown. <laughs> It is, it is. But like, it looks good. It looks like, you know, sausages and beans and little I, tomato. I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big, big advocate for British food. I've, I'm like <laughs> of Indian descent, so I have a lot okay. of like veggie curries and stuff like that. Ah. Like British food is, it's pretty horrific. It's, it's nice every once in a while, uh-huh. like, but back to back every day, I don't know how people do it. It's very carb heavy. Extremely. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't recommend it. I recommend trying it, mm-hmm. but it's pretty brutal. What's your What's your favorite like international cuisine? Cuisine for going by like country by country. What's your favorite? Hmm, I'm gonna have to be biased and just say Indian. I always okay. it's always like the for me it's wherever I go. I have this. My girlfriend gets annoyed with it. I just compare everything to Indian food. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. And like, obviously, sometimes Indian food has like a stereotype of being like really unhealthy or greasy. Oh, really? But if you, yeah, but if you have I've like never traditional, heard that. like, I guess it has like takeaway kind of culture to it in the uh, UK because like every, I always, people. I always think about like, like, uh, oh shoot, I'm gonna butcher every name I'm trying to say, but just basically just like rice and chicken dishes. That's what I think of. Okay, yeah, I guess that's like like the stereotypical kind of avenue for it, but it's it can. A lot of it's quite vegetarian as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So it can That's be... That's what I get. I'm not vegetarian. Yeah. It's it's like a super healthy thing, but I think yeah. often some people... I think the the biggest dish in the UK is a curry. Mm-hmm. Is It's like the traditional like thing is curry. And it's a really weird like... Um, like, yeah, it's not a real Indian curry in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah I can't compare everything to like Indian food. Hmm. Um, I have an Indian friend. <laughs> I'm trying to brag or anything. <laughs> um, but he he's taken me to a couple of his favorite spots in the area. Um, and my mom also really likes Indian food. And the place that she always went to actually burnt down, so she hasn't been there in a oh, while. Damn. But uh yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that. I will have to say, since you're asking, my favorite would probably be <laughs> Italian food. Always the best even when i didn't have like a great palate and i I went to italy back in like 2015 or something um that was spot on i just love carbs and then japanese food also Mm. it's like the polar opposites in a sense exactly just very opposite ends you know it's balance that's what it is it's balance italian food is yeah damn good did you have like (laughs) a lot of ice cream i had lots of ice cream lots of gelato lots of pastas and pizzas and mm. Just very, very good the stuff. Pizza's on a different level. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's Sicilian I, style pizza with like the, just like they cook it for like a very short time, but a very high temperature. And it's just like the olive oil on there. Oh, oh, it's just so good. The fresh mozzarella, which we don't get in America very often. It's a lot of it is like, you know, not fresh. Yeah. It's not. What is like, I've never, I've never been to America. So I oh. really want to like experience like the food culture over there. I've had friends that go over and, tell me all about it but but like it's one of those things that you have to experience and like yeah really understand I mean, it. but you must change like state to state it's so different it does right? 
It's like, it, I think it changes region by region. So like I live in the South, that's a lot of like fried foods, um, fried mm. chicken, fried okra. Those are both big collard greens, green beans. That's like Southern soul food kind of, kind of, uh, nice. cooking. And then, I mean, you get like Cajun food in Louisiana, which is totally different. And it's Louisiana still in the Southeast, but it's totally different. And then Texas, which is, you know, um, Midwest, but in the South kind of is like lots of barbecue, lots of stuff like that. And we also have barbecue here. It is it kind of just like, it spans. So like each area is different. You get to LA and they don't have any meat and everything is like vegetarian and awful. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, everything's gluten-free. Um, New York is like its own world. Cause there's just so much, you know, at least just New York. City, everything. Yeah. yeah. Just a bit of everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, doing a food tour of America would take a very long time. <laughs> yeah that would be crazy though i'd love to do that. i've always mm -hmm. wanted to do thinking about it yeah that's one thing i've wanted to do it's like a food tour or like mm -hmm. go to a country yeah purely just to try like different foods and like mm -hmm. that's the main premise of the holidays to like yeah. eat different stuff <laughs> i've never done that i guess really i went to rome for a bit and mm -hmm. but that wasn't like the sole purpose wasn't to like eat loads of food that just kind of happened but like <laughs> It would be amazing to do like a food tour. That would be so yeah. good. I mean, I've never done a true food tour, but my mom and my girlfriend both are like driven by good food in places. So whenever we do go somewhere, they do a ton of research on like, well, this restaurant serves this and this serves this and like the locals like this place and like Yelp likes this place. And so I don't ever have to worry about not eating well or eating at good places whenever I travel somewhere because it, it's usually covered. That's pretty good. That's great. Yeah. I've I've gone like people recommend spots to me, and I try mm. it, and it's never lived up to like uh, the pedestal they were putting it on, and then it's always the worst feeling because it's like I trusted you, like you said <laughs> it, you let me you down, said it was, and then you, you never trust them again. Great. <laughs> and then yeah, then whatever they say after that, I'm like, nah, I can't I remember believe what you. Last time, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always like a slippery slope. Nice, nice. I'd hate to cut you off, but I do have to go pick up dinner and eat it with my mom. So that's, that's on on brand for what we're chatting about. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it is. Um, Jameis, <laughs> Jameis, thank you for coming on today. It was really a pleasure to talk to you, man. Likewise, again, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's actually an honor to be on this. Like, I do hey. love listening to your podcast. Wow, thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you, especially since your number is higher than other people's numbers. It just makes you like as a person more important. And like better Which than doesn't other make people. any sense. Um, <laughs> everyone follow Patrick. He should overtake me. Absolutely, follow Patrick. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll talk to you later, man. Take care, man. All right.